0: This is the EM Student Podcast, and for students on their EM rotation, on their drive the shift. We'll cover high-yield topics and tips in 10-minute segments to get you a head start to succeeding in the ED. This is Brad and Peter, and we're back with another episode. Today's topic, how to read the EKG. So being confident with reading EKGs was definitely a topic that I struggled with, especially between the transition from classroom to clinical application. Definitely. EKGs is a huge topic, and we'll try to tackle how to go through them in a nice brief segment. In general, reading EKGs, chest x-rays, CT scans, etc., it's always good that you have a system. Like they say in Philly, trust the process. Well, here you need to trust the system. Otherwise, you're gonna miss things. Classic example. Resident or attending who identifies a STEMI on EKG, but then jumps to conclusions and misses the third degree block because they were so amped to see the first thing that jumped out of them on the EKG. There are a bunch of systems out there. I'm fond of one that I've adopted from a cardiology rotation when I was a med student. For starters, is the patient's name correct, and this is their EKG. That's where we're going to start. Secondly, is this a standard EKG? On the bottom, it should have an amplitude of 10 millimeters, or 1 millivolt, and 25 millimeters per second. Lastly, were the leads placed correctly? Take a look at leads 1 and V6. Do they look similar? If the QRS is up in 1 and down in V6, you may have limb lead reversal. also look like a rock star if you recognize this right away. Next let's jump into our interpretation. Six components. Rate, rhythm, axis, intervals, hypertrophy, and lastly ischemic changes. So rate. We have two methods. Our classic 300, 150, 100, 75, 60, 50 countdown from the RR beats based on the big lines on the EKG. The other way, and this is an important reason to check the speed parameter that your EKG is taken at, which is 25 millimeters per second, the total EKG should equal to 10 seconds. So count the QRS beats over this 10 second time frame and then multiply by six. Very helpful for those patients in AFib with RVR. Next segment, rhythm. Is there a P before a QRS and a QRS before every P? Sounds super straightforward, right? This is actually probably one of the most difficult tasks. For extra credit, it's strongly suggestive if it is normal sinus rhythm, if the P is upright in two and down in AVR, meaning the impulse is coming from where the right atrium should be. The rest of the details, PACs, PVCs, first, second, third degree blocks, are definitely worth reviewing. I love life in the fast lane as a great educational resource for EKG review. Next segment, axis. You can use the traditional upright in two and AVF to determine normal axis. For brownie points, Don't forget how to find the actual axis. Find your isoelectric point, and then see if the axis is in the same or opposite direction. Once again, check out Life in the Fast Lane for a review on this. You can cheat for confirmation on your EKG. The QRS's axis is under the intervals. It's the middle number. A rightward axis can sometimes be a cause of right heart strain, like a PE, and this is why it's important to know how to do this. Next segment. Intervals. PR should be less than five small boxes. If it's more, you have at least a first degree block. QRS, this should be less than 80 milliseconds. If it's greater than 90 or so, you need to consider an incomplete bundle branch block or interventricular conduction delay, aka it's a bundle branch block but it doesn't fit left or right morphology perfectly. If it's greater than 120 milliseconds, you definitely have a bundle branch block. Make sure you know how to identify left bundle from right bundle. Once again, go to our friend, lifeinthefastlane.com. I would like to look over in leads 1 and V6, and then identify either for a septal Q wave or a deep S wave. For your intervals, this is one of the rare areas where your computer is on target, and you can use their values to support what you found on your own. Next segment, hypertrophy. Seems silly, but hypertrophy is important. Often with LVH, you will have early repolarization changes, over V1 to V3. And you can also have strain over the lateral leads often the parent over as T wave inversions. You could even mistake this for STEMI criteria, but it's not because you're amazing at EKGs and realize it's LVH. Right atrial enlargement, left atrial enlargement are less clinically important and their usual importance of hypertension. Last segment, ischemia. I like to start from the PR segment and look for depression. This doesn't quite qualify for ischemia, but it does help you to find pericarditis. To look for your baseline, you find your T-wave and track out to where it touches the P-wave. This is the so-called TP segment, and that's your baseline. Next, transition over the Q-wave. So we're looking for our so-called pathological Q-waves from infarct. And these are usually greater than 40 milliseconds, or they're more than 25% of the amplitude of the QRS. Next, the ST segment. Is it depressed or elevated? Lastly, the waves. Are the T-waves flipped? Remember, leads 3 and V1s are freebies and can usually be flipped in this is normal variant. Look at the waves and for any signs of strain or abnormal flattening. And that's it. These are my reading EKG basics. Okay, thanks a lot. That was a brief overview of what is a very deep topic. As Dr. Schwartz mentioned, be sure to check out lifeinthefastlane.com for help with interpretation of EKGs. Thanks for tuning in to the EM Student Podcast. Please email us at emstudentpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com with any comments on the material or idea for future podcasts. Remember, the ED is a serious place, but it's also about doing what you enjoy. Good luck and go have some fun.